Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I am your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by a special guest, Bill Apathy. He is a singer and a songwriter. He's from Kansas City, Missouri. He had a long career with a company called Bayer, but decided to leave that career to focus on music. He is also a chart topper. So we're going to be talking to him today about everything that he's working on and what made him get started in music. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, having a good little conversation with you. So, Well, why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself, telling us if you're originally from Kansas City and anything else that you want the audience to know. And by the way, I'm in Junction City right now. Oh, wow. We're close. We're close. Yep, yeah, we sure are. Yeah, no, I've been, uh, I've been in the Kansas City area pretty much my whole life. I was actually born uh, in a place called I Own Washington in a condemned hospital. So I think that was uh, maybe a, a precursor to my life. Not sure. But uh, uh, I lived in the suburbs of, of Kansas City forever. And uh, now I live in the uh, world famous Kansas City City Market area. So uh, very pleased with uh, where I'm at and, and uh, what I've got going on. And so I uh, started playing music when I was really, really young and was in a very musical family. My, my oldest sister was very much involved in church music, and uh, she got me involved in that uh, as, as kind of I got it old enough. I had another brother that was very focused and involved in folk music scene. Uh, in uh, the Kansas City area and in the Midwest. And uh, uh, he got me involved in some of that, you know, back in the day when uh, you'd go to a performance and instead of clapping, uh, everybody would just snap their fingers. You know, it was kind of cool. It was kind of a cool thing. So I've been doing that for forever. I just retired actually from my corporate career uh, with Bear after 43 and a half years. I retired in November of last year. And so I'm uh, learning what it's like now to be a full-time musician. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting and it's challenging for sure. I found that uh, even though in retirement, I'm, I'm still extremely busy. So interesting time. Well, let's talk about your corporate career before music. Tell everybody what Bay Area is and what made you decide to retire to focus strictly on music. Well, I worked for Bayer Crop Science, uh, which is the division of Bayer, like the Bayer uh, Pharmaceutical that everybody knows, you know, Bayer Aspirin and all that. So they also have a crop science division. And so uh, we supplied products to the agricultural industries, uh, you know, helped feed the world effectively with, uh, you know, different products, different chemicals uh, that the farmers could use. And I uh, worked in uh, various elements uh, of the company throughout my career. But when I ended, uh, I had the title of Head of Logistics Excellence for North America. And effectively, what I did was I managed projects, or I managed a team that managed projects. So 
we would come up with uh, some ideas based on some analysis that we had done uh, in the various production sites and the various distribution sites. And uh, we would look at their business processes. We would modify them, uh, optimize them a bit, and uh, uh, then integrate technologies to help uh, help the folks do their do their job more efficiently so they wouldn't get so tied down to a keyboard or tied down to a, a, a computer and let them uh, focus a little bit more on their core competencies, which uh, uh, has helped, did help uh, substantially. So did that for the longest time. And, and to be honest with you, my retirement was uh, a choice. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not the youngest guy on the planet, right? So I'm, uh, I'm 63 and I got an opportunity to, uh, to leave the company with a pretty nice package. And so I opted out and decided to focus a little bit more on my music now. So that's kind of the story. So, so let the listeners know what kind of music you do and past projects that you have put out and who you've worked with and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to put, put it in a box, right? So I'm a, uh, I'm a singer songwriter, or as some people say, uh, I'm a storyteller with a guitar. Right. And so, you know, throughout the course of my life, many things have happened to me and I've met some very interesting people and uh, been able to experience some very interesting situations. And I think out of those situations, uh, there's always something you can take away, you know, whether it's a really cool situation or whether it's, it's something that's a little bit more on the negative side, there's always something you can learn. And I think that uh, one of the things that I try to focus on with my music is, is relaying some of those things that I've learned over time uh, and some of those things that I still question and things that I don't understand, you know, helping people, maybe they can take a, a bit of advice from it, or maybe they can just uh, find some solace in the fact that they're not alone out there. You know, we're all a little confused about a lot of things uh, that go on in the world today. And, and I think it's, uh, it's a good thing uh, to understand that there's not always an answer, right? Sometimes the answer itself is the search. So you've topped the charts before. Tell us about that. What chart did you top? What song? And how did that feel to you? And what did that chart topping song get you? Yeah, well, you know, there's nothing cooler uh, than driving down the road, listening to the radio, and all of a sudden you hear your stuff. You know, that, that's a moment, right, that, that uh, I think is, is very cool, and I was very fortunate to have that. Uh, like I said, I do singer-songwriter stuff, so I write in, in all kinds of different genres of music, whether it be uh, folk, uh, which is the one that we, we top, uh, some Americana stuff, some country stuff, some rock stuff, uh, some blues stuff, and even toss in a little bit of jazz from time to time. So uh, that's the advantage of being a singer-songwriter is you can kind of pick the genre that, that best portrays the story that you're trying to tell. And so the one that, uh, that we got uh, that hit number one was number one in the United States, I think for three weeks uh, on the folk charts. And it was, uh, it was a song that's called uh, Goodbye Will Never Come Again. And uh, I always like to tell people it's, it's a three-part song, right? It's a, it's a song about how not to end a relationship, right? So I had once entered a relationship so poorly that uh, effectively I just said goodbye and walked away. Uh, no 
real explanation, you know, no nothing, you know, it's a kind of the easy way out and actually the wrong way out. So the goodbye will never come again song is really a confession uh, at one point. It's an apology at another point, and it's a promise uh, at the end of the song that says goodbye, meaning that really, really poor way to end a relationship will never happen again. So goodbye will never come again. We were very fortunate. It came off of our Find Away album, and uh, it um, it landed number one, and it charted. Uh, it was on uh, Roots Music charts for well over two years. So we were very pleased with that. Wow, that's impressive. So, uh, how did you manage to manage your corporate career as well as work on your music? How how did you balance that when you were working in the corporate world? Yeah, that's really what the the whole idea of the Find a Way album uh, that I came up with is really all about. It's really about how to how to find a balance, how to find a balance in your life. And you mentioned, you know, the balance between the corporate stuff and and the music stuff. And uh, you know, that that was that's a challenge because you know my corporate gig was you know a 60, 70 hour a week thing. It was hard to find the time, but I think it's it's a matter of understanding uh that your priorities, right? Even in the corporate world, even even when you're really you're really driving, uh, and you've got a lot going on, and, and you're you know you're building your career and you know rising through the corporate ranks and all the stuff. If you lose balance and you don't have something else to take your mind away from that, you will not be uh, nearly as effective uh, as you would be if you walked away, if you stepped away from all that and, and use your time and your focus on something else. And, and music for me during my corporate gig was really, uh, it was that thing. It was my escape. Uh, it was my way to just have kind of pure me time and, and really to uh, evaluate my thoughts and my ideas and, and uh, put them down on paper and uh, a very nice escape from, you know, the corporate grind, if you would, but also very helpful and, and actually quite healing. Uh, quite healing in many times to uh, help me work through uh, some of the challenges that life throws at you. But, uh, you know, that's one balance, you know, but uh, another balance that I think uh, we all struggle with uh, going back to the kind of the goodbye will never come again song is, is finding the balance between your professional life and your personal life. You know, it's, it's really easy to lose your focus and uh, repri- and prioritize things really poorly when uh, you know you're trying to work on a relationship or you're trying to be friends with somebody or you're trying to get to know somebody and and think that uh, uh, from a balance at a prioritization standpoint, regardless of how good you are uh, at your corporate world, uh, you can be replaced and uh, it can happen pretty quickly uh, if if that's the need so. I, I always used to tell people that, that uh, you know, my career with Bear was really what I did, but it wasn't necessarily who I was. And uh, the music and the other things that I do to balance out my life are really more of who I am uh, instead of what I do. So, and then of course, when I retired, who I am became what I do. So uh, you now now I just get to focus on music and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, really, uh, it's really a good thing for me. Absolutely. So tell us, I know you had a number one song. So what are some of the other cool things, cool experiences, maybe travel experiences 
people that you've worked with that you've never that you never thought you would have a chance to during your music journey. Kind of tell us some stories about that. Yeah, I think that uh, you know I'm very blessed uh, in in Kansas City that we have some fantastic musicians that I get the opportunity to work with. My my recording label uh, is called Enneagram Records, and it's owned by uh, a fantastic musician named Max Berry. Uh, and so Max and I uh, re reproduce all of all of my music. Uh, he also plays uh, on the albums. He's quite a guitar player. Uh, on occasion, even does a little bit of, of uh, vocal work on there as well. So I'm very happy to uh, to have uh, built a relationship with him over the years and. And, uh, and we were just in the studio yesterday, actually working on working on the next thing, right? Uh, but as far as as a story, there are so many, right? But uh, last year, right about this time, uh, I was on tour uh, in North America, and uh, went through six states. And uh, I was doing uh, the tour was in uh, support of uh, not only the Find a Way album, but also our latest release, which is called Crossing Willow Creek. Uh, who has also been charted and charting all over the world and, and uh, doing very well uh, from a streaming standpoint and all that. I was booked into a, a place just outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, a pretty nice place, very cool venue. Uh, they had done a lot of work, uh, a lot of publication and all that before the show, and, and we had a really, really nice crowd. And I noticed as I was playing that there was one particular gentleman uh, who was very, very attentive. He was sitting over on the far right side of the stage, and he was very, very attentive through the entire concert. I played for probably two hours. He was all by himself, you know, and he was just really locked and loaded and, and, and really listening to, to uh, not only all the songs, but, you know, I tell a few stories and stuff along the way. And, after the show, I was kind of, you know, packing up my guitars and stuff. And he came up uh, and uh, wanted to talk to me, which is cool. You know, that's cool. You know, fan interaction. That's that's really why I do it. Right. He told me that uh, as he introduced himself, he told me that he had driven three hours uh, to come to the show that night. You know, that's pretty spectacular, you know, for somebody to, to drive that distance. And and uh, so I had to ask him, uh, was there some particular reason? He said, yeah, yeah, I wanted to hear you play uh, your Find A Way uh, song, uh, the title cut from the Find A Way album live, uh, because he'd seen, he'd heard the song and he'd seen some of the videos and stuff that were out there, but he wanted to hear the story uh, behind the song. And uh, the song is really uh, me reminiscing back uh, on the last day that my father uh, was on earth. And um, I was working. Go back to our balance question earlier, right? I was working, and and he was in the hospital, and and uh, you know he was he was gravely ill, and you know it was just y'all kind of knew, you know, you knew it was just a matter of time, and and I got a call uh, from my sister who was at the hospital, and she said, uh, Billy, uh, you need to come, and uh, you need to come now. So I finished up what I was doing uh, in in my office, took about five minutes or so, and took off and went over to the hospital and hurried in and uh, missed uh, seeing my dad. He had passed about two minutes before I got there, right? It really made me reflect on the fact that, you know, if I would have just 
turned off the computer and walked away when she called, uh, then I would have had that chance, you know, to do what we all want to do in, in those situations. You know, you want to be there, you want to hold it and, uh, you know, kind of help experience the, the end of this world and the beginning of the next, right? With um, I, uh, the song reminisces about some of those things that he had taught me uh, over his entire life. And one of the things that he taught me that uh, I think probably fits pretty well uh, with the genre of your show uh, is that uh, he had a saying that said, if you, if you want something bad enough in life and you're willing to put in the blood, the sweat, the tears, and the toil, you can always find a way to make it happen. And uh, that particular day, I had, had prioritized my time poorly, and I had missed that opportunity uh, to sit with my dad there at those, at those last minutes. The song really talks about, you know, reminiscing back on the things that he taught me and, and all that, and uh, really focuses on if you want something bad enough in life, you can always find a way uh, to make it happen. Uh, now go back to the guy. He, he and I were chatting, and he wanted to uh, hear me play that song live. I found out in, in our conversation uh, that he uh, had had his father pass uh, just a few days before the concert. He had listened to that song, and it had brought him some comfort and some solace. He just wanted to... He wanted to come and hear me play it live and, and see if we could have a little chat about not only some of the things that I learned through that experience, uh, but he could also share some of the things that he had learned uh, through, uh, through what he had just been going through. So great guy, great conversation. It goes to show you, you know, man, you know, you, you write a song and you never know, you know, you never know if, uh, if people are going to like it or if they're going to listen to it or if they're going to understand it. But uh, every now and then you run across somebody who gets it, right? The fact that something that I had, had written uh, had really reached him and helped him in a really tough spot of his life and, and kind of brought him some comfort, it doesn't get any better than that. It just doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't matter how many albums you sell and, and uh, you know, how many fans you have and you know, all that stuff. At the end of the day, it's really all about uh, at least for me, it's really all about interaction with the fans and getting to know people. And, you know, maybe some of my music can help them and maybe some of the things that they tell me can help me. And at the end of the day, that that is really why I do this. That's really why I do this music thing. And I'm pretty fortunate that uh, I do not have to rely uh, on the music thing as, as income. So uh, it really gives me the opportunity to really, really focus on on just playing the songs and singing and telling the stories and, and reaching out and, and seeing where connections with fans, uh, wherever they may be, uh, can be made. So that's why I do it. Well, that's amazing how music can connect with fans and how it connects people and that it was good that you were approachable so that guy could talk to you because some artists aren't as approachable as you are. How well, has... you know, that's, an, that's another thing. It's the music industry, right? It's the music industry today. Uh, and and uh, I know that there are some, some artists that are really kind of standoffish and they won't sit down and talk to people. And, and uh, I, I think that that's sad. You know, music is a gift, right? Nobody knows where it comes from. I always say that music's magic. And, and uh, every now and then, you know, you get your piece of, you get your piece of the magic and, and uh, you get chosen to share that. You know, 
I think sometimes people may take themselves a little bit too seriously. I certainly can try not to let that happen. How has the pandemic affected your music career over the last year? Well, uh, interesting, right? It, it's been interesting. It, it shows, you know, when I got back from tour, it was right at the beginning of February of, of last year, right? So it was right when the pandemic was really hitting. You know, everybody, everybody went into lockdown and businesses and everybody to, to uh, work from home. Uh, in, in my corporate gig, I traveled constantly. Uh, obviously, that was shut down as well. So uh, I had to learn how to not live out of a suitcase, which I know sounds a little strange because a lot of people say, you know, you got to learn how to live out of a suitcase. I had to learn how not to uh, because, you know, I was just gone all the time and traveling. Uh, so I learned uh, uh, how, to, how to be at home. Uh, and I learned how to uh, uh, relax a little bit from a music standpoint, not just music, but, but business in general. I've been very impressed uh, with so many people and, and so many artists, uh, particularly around music, that have found a way to continue to stay in touch with their friends and with their fans and to make their music by you know, doing things, online things, you know, a lot, online concerts. I, I don't even know. I think I've done 100 of them something like that right uh, there's there's always a way you know that that uh, that people could use their creativity and, and thank god we have technology like the technology you I, you and i are using right now uh, and, and we can reach out and stay in touch uh with our fans and, and uh it's very critical uh and, and so uh you know as i mentioned I, i've done a few of these uh, i always do them for a reason i don't do them just to, to uh just because i want to play right so, um, you know, I always ask for folks to go out and support. So we actually did a, uh, a thing that my daughter dreamed it up, actually. And it was called the uh, Coronavirus Sessions uh, here from my loft, which is, is what you're seeing now. This is, this is where I live. Um, and what we did was uh, we asked for uh, our fan base, if you would like to hear me here play a particular song, uh, request that song. And then what I would do is I'd learn it and make a video uh, of me playing that song here in, in, in my home. And uh, I would post that out on social media. And uh, folks really liked that. And, and all I asked in return for that was that they went and supported a local business somehow. Uh, they didn't have to send me anything, uh, but you know they could go and support a local business you know, whether it's a local restaurant, you know, a, a local bakery, for example, you know, go, you know, order takeout or buy a gift card or, you know, pick up something from, uh, you know, somebody's, you know, Etsy wear, Etsy space or something, you know, and that kind of evolved into also uh, supporting uh, the local musicians who rely, who rely on being able to get out uh, in the public and, and play uh, play life as their source of income, you know, their only source of income. And so through all that, uh, we've also, uh, a, a good, a very good friends of mine have created a thing uh, in Kansas City called the Kansas City Online Live Series. And uh, we all use different technologies, but at the end of the day, we do live stream concerts uh, over a schedule. And uh, uh, it's one way that uh, the musicians can keep the music flowing and they can keep their fans uh, engaged. And it's also a way uh, that their fans can help support them uh, during this time. So a little twofold uh, for me, I'm kind of big on uh, supporting local businesses 
and I also help and use uh, the online streaming uh, concerts uh, as a way to help support my music friends because uh, uh, when COVID clears, uh, you know, and everything starts back up, I want to make sure that that uh, you know the businesses and the venues and the musicians are out there and uh, ready to go back to work. I, I've been very, very, very excited and very pleased with all the creativity that so many of uh, the musicians around the United States in particular uh, have, have used to keep music going. You know, it's a little different, right? <laughs> Sitting at home watching a concert, you know, on your, on your phone or, you know, if you share it to your TV or whatever, you know, but uh, it's also kind of cool. <laughs> there's some, there's some advantages to it. Um, but uh, uh, very creative and a very good way uh, for folks to stay active and current in COVID. Also, you know, obviously I continue to write constantly. Uh, I'm in the studio now, uh, now that the thing's kind of cleared up a little bit. Uh, so I'm in the studio now recording the next project. So I'm excited about that. So COVID's made a big impact. Obviously, I think it's probably impacted other musicians far more than it has me. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's all about, you know, understanding the current situation that you're in, being flexible and being creative to keep yourself out there, to keep the music out there and to keep your fans engaged. And I think that uh, through the use of different technologies, we've been able to do that over the, the course of the last month. Well, that's what I was going to ask, ask you about the upcoming projects that you're working on. Tell us about that upcoming project. Yeah, we've got a new uh, a follow-up from our, our Crossing Willow Creek album. I was just looking the other day, and uh, our Crossing Willow Creek album had uh, four singles uh, that went out that have been streamed over a million times now uh, around the world, which is cool. I mean, that's cool. Uh, but, you know, it's always, the, uh, it's always about the next thing, right? It's the next thing. It's the next thing. So approaching this a little bit differently uh, than I have the other projects. The other projects, we would create entire albums. And, uh, you know, we would send them out and then you would release uh, different singles off of those albums. But on this particular project, uh, I had a couple of songs that I wanted to get done uh, pretty quickly. And so uh, we had made uh, one single uh, called More Than Meets the Eye and, and uh, released it back in November uh, of uh, last year. And uh, it's done very, very well. Uh, uh, around and so now uh, we're in recording three more singles and uh, we'll release those uh, kind of one at a time and then when we get them all done uh, I'll probably make some uh, some hard copy of of, uh, of the project and, and make that available in, a, in an album or an, an extended play format if you would uh, but uh, I'm going kind of more of the let's make a single and release it and then while it's running its life and, and doing its thing, we can be recording the next one. So it's, uh, it's actually kind of fun. It's, it's, uh, it gives me a little bit more of a chance to focus song by song instead of, you know, 12 songs on an album or whatever. And uh, it's kind of fun. So uh, we've got four songs. Uh, like I said, we've already done the uh, More Than Meets the Eye song and released it. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with it. It's, it's doing quite well. And uh, so now we have... Uh, three more um, that uh, will be coming out. Oh, hopefully we should have at least one of them done in the next two or three weeks. And then throughout the course of the spring, we'll release the rest. All right. So what, uh, what style of music do you like, man? 
Oh, I like all kind of music. I am very open-minded when it comes to music. I've been listening to music since I was very young. I was actually a hip hop artist when I was younger, but I like all kind of music. So, uh, you know, I think that the, one of the things that uh, as musicians we need to understand is, is you got to remember where you came from, right? And uh, pay homage to the folks that uh, really brought you uh, where you're where you are. But let's talk about some of your biggest influences. Who are they, and why are they your biggest influence? Oh, wow. Wow. Lot. I have several folks uh, that have been big influences in, in throughout my career and, and throughout my life. So I started playing, you know, when I was really, really young and turned on an album, was given to it, given an album by my brother in 1972 um, by a guy named Dan Fogelberg. The album was called Home Free. An absolutely beautiful work of music, and, uh, and I sat down and learned that uh, verbatim, uh, note for note, and uh, was uh, he was very influential in what I do and uh, and how I go about it. Um, also, some other folks, uh, obviously James Taylor. I mean, you you can't be a singer songwriter without understanding James Taylor and the things that James Taylor. Has, has not only given uh, to the public, but given to the music world and also, uh, you know, some of the, the things that he has done for society. Uh, you get into some of the great singer-songwriters like Jackson Brown, for example, a uh, great singer-songwriter and also very socially conscious uh, guy who always made, um, you know, a, a great uh, impact on society. Um, you know, in today's world, uh, there's a couple of guys that I'm very, very impressed with. I really like John Mayer. Uh, John Mayer is a really excellent songwriter. And um, he's very, uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to see him play uh, live a few times. But I'm also a big fan of uh, Dave Grohl uh, of the Food Fighters and of, of uh, you know, he came out of Nirvana. Big fan, big fan. I think he's a great songwriter. Those guys have, have been pretty influential uh, in my life. I mean, you can go, you can go on and on. I mean, there's like Harry Chapin, right? great singer songwriter, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. You know, the, the list is, just goes on and on and on. But uh, uh, I would have to say that if if uh, if I have to pick one artist that really influenced me the most, it would be it would be Dan Fogelberg. He's uh, the way that he writes, the way that he structures his his music, uh, the expression that he uses in his lyrics, uh, and probably the most important thing is how he marries his lyric and his lyrical content and the impact and the message of his lyric, uh, how he marries that with music to really, really highlight uh, the lyrical content of the songs, uh, to me, is spectacular. So I would have to say that uh, he's probably my my primary influence how do listeners connect with you give us your social media links your website anywhere that you would like us to connect with you and check out your music yeah so you can start uh at my just on my website it's just billabernethy.com uh and on there you know you can see uh it's kind of a breakdown of all the different projects and all the albums and you know a bunch of press and 
you know, all the things that we've, that we've done, you know, over the course of the years. Uh, there's also links on there to all the other social media. And I found that uh, from a social media standpoint, my audience, my fan base really seems to like Facebook uh, as much as anything, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so you can go to, uh, if you're on Facebook, you could go to Bill Abernathy, singer or songwriter, and that's my homepage. Uh, and, uh, you know, I post, uh, a little bit of information on there, uh, upcoming shows, you know, sometimes some fun stuff, you know, I was recording a, uh, uh, part of the part of the uh, recording process yesterday was one of the songs needed banjo. And I hadn't played a banjo since I was probably 16, but, uh, uh I had to go get a banjo and record a banjo thing. And so you can find a picture of me with a cheesy grin. Uh, playing a banjo right there on on the Bill Abernathy singer songwriter site right now. Uh, those are those are my primary contacts. Um, and if you uh, if you want to reach out via email, it's just Bill at BillAbernathy.com. Absolutely. Do you have any final words for people out there, maybe aspiring musicians, or just for anybody out there that well, ha- think- have dreams? Yeah, no, it's all about following your dreams, right? Uh, Jimmy Messina wrote a great song one that called Follow Your Dreams. I actually recorded it. I think that that in today's world, uh, you know, we've got COVID, we've got all this political drama, you know, and all this stuff that's going on. It it would be pretty easy to get a little discouraged, you know, I mean, particularly if you're a, a working musician and, you know, all the all the venues are closed and you really can't get out. Don't, don't, don't get down about it. Find a way to work around it. Find a way, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got some really good friends of mine who uh, are using some technology where they have their full band playing and each one of the members are at their own house. They're spread all over, all over the greater Kansas city area. And through the use of technology, they do shows, you know, several times a week and uh, it's cool. It's cool. And it's fun. It's different for sure. Uh, but it's really cool. So, you know, I would just say this. I know that, that, that COVID and all the stuff that's going on, right. It's very, you know, just, you know, a lot of people are disgruntled with the situation, but you know, out of everything, you can find something good. Right. And I have so many of my friends that have found really positive things that they could do uh, to not only continue their careers, uh, but to learn new things, you know, learning all the new technologies and, and, uh, you know, being able to reach out to your fan base through all this is really spectacular. And uh, there's opportunities to do that. So uh, maybe maybe don't feel sorry for yourself because of the situation that we're in, uh, but find a way to capitalize, find a way to use it, find a way to uh, do things a little bit differently, but still accomplish the same goal. And the same goal is always, always, always uh, reach out with your music, uh, stay in touch with your fans, you know. Um, uh, put a smile on somebody's face, give them something to think about, you know, uh, do what music does. And we just have to figure out a way to get it out there. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Apanathy. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I do have one question for you. Do, do we have time for you to answer a question? Yes, sir. What's that? Uh, where did you get the name Curveball? I got the name Curveball because, as I told you, I used to be a hip-hop artist. And back in, like, eighth grade, my best friend, Sean Davis, 
we were talking and I was like, well, he was really pushing me to get, get my music out or, you know, start doing it. Uh-huh. And I said, well, what am I supposed to call myself? And he came up with Curveball and I, I do like baseball and that name stuck with me. So uh-huh. I didn't want to lose it and leave it behind. So for my radio shows, internet radio, I do DJ Curveball. And for this, it's living the dream with Curveball. So that name has always stuck with me. Uh, it's very good. I, I will have to tell you that that uh, when I saw that you called the show Live in the Dream, I kind of laughed because that was actually the name of my tour last year. I called it the Live in the Dream Tour. So maybe we were destined to talk tonight, man. Sounds like it. We're both <laughs> living the dream and we're trying to help teach listeners how to live the dream. Yeah. And, and listeners, while you're living the dream, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share after listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.